0: The Talking
1: Cure, Conversations with Jed Wheeler is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is December 1st, 2020, and we are still in the throes of a lockdown pandemic and it is agonizing for everybody. But I wanna shift our focus a little bit to one of the most delightful experiences I have had since I came to Montclair State University more than 15 years ago. And I had the great pleasure of meeting two professors from the Department of Mathematics here at Montclair State University, Ashwin Vaidya, and Mika Munakata. And I'll say this um, as carefully as I possibly can. Uh, From my perspective, um, these are two people who are not only professors of science, but also professors of art. There are artists, they know what creativity is, and they, I believe have found a way to instill creative impulse in students who did not know that they had deep creative insights. Um, And I, I met Mika and Ashwin a few years back when we were developing a course on campus called Creative Thinking. And from the moment I met them, I realized that they were the visionaries and I was merely following in their footsteps. And this has led us to a really amazing, amazing event um, which started two years ago or three years ago with Sean Gandini. Sean is a juggler and has been um, at the Alexander Castor Theater and Peak Performances on two separate occasions. The first is with Smashed and the second was with Spring. And Ashwin and Mika, did something that I remain in I will be grateful to them forever for actually taking a very bold bold step forward and they decided to work with jugglers and work with Sean Gandini and to bring the art of juggling into the science of mathematics and Jumping forward to a very recent event or jumping is a paper that they wrote called Inspiring Mathematical Creativity Through Juggling. And um, we have that paper, by the way, if anybody wants to read it, it's on our website, peakperfs.org. But the, co- the core value of the paper, it's so important, is that we all have creative abilities, we just don't know it. And one of the things that they have done so successfully is to inspire students to think differently about things that they felt were um, mere entertainment. That, And I remember vividly, um, uh, several years ago, Mika talking to me about her students and their understanding that every day, every moment in their lives is a mathematical moment. There is, you know, that we take for granted the idea of moving from one side of the room to another, but unconsciously one is determining distance and pace mathematical formulas happening without you even thinking about it. So rather than take up the entire, I could take up the entire session talking about how wonderful these two people are. But um, I would like to invite Ashwin to talk uh, about the program that he and Mika created in the fall, two years ago, I believe, um, with 75 Montclair state students, who came to him thinking they were going to learn mathematics and ended up being masterful jugglers. What do you think, Ashwin? Have I overstated the case?
1: Thanks so much for having us, and thanks for, for obviously blowing us out of proportion. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's been fantastic uh, to have collaborated with, with the arts and cultural programming and with the wider artistic audience at Montclair for, for the last 10 years or so. Um, and it's not like we understand what creativity really is. I think we're, we've are we gotten a chance to figure it out, right? Um, you've given us a chance through a collaboration to try and understand what we are doing in the first place. Um, and I think maybe you just have to be open-minded uh, and something you said before and something Mika and I have talked about at length before is that students, Uh, and the general public understand mathematics and science in a very specific way. Uh, I see this in the way my own kids are getting trained. Um, Mathematics is thought of as just number crunching. Um, I call that arithmetic. That's not mathematics. Um, Nice. You have to deal with arithmetic. Uh, You have to learn your ABCs, but uh, literature is not about ABCs. Um, And so a couple of years ago, uh, we've, we've had several collaborations with you. We're trying to recount uh, just all the different artists we've worked with over the last eight or nine years. Uh, and there have been a, quite a few amazing artists, brilliant people. Right? And uh, the one with uh, Sean Gandini was, was just absolutely perfect, because I think it fit into what we were doing, the courses we were teaching. Um, in such a such a wonderful way. Uh, and Mika will tell you more about how it's influenced the rest of her teaching uh, beyond just that course. Uh, but uh, you just told us Sean Gandini is coming. And you told us he juggles. We hadn't seen his performance. And I think this is where this forced us to become creative teachers. Uh, because it's not like we're trying, we have a, a gap in our um, project and we're trying to fill in this gap and we tell you that we need this person, you told us who's coming. We had to be creative in trying to figure out what we can do, find connections, find points of intersection. Um, It forces us to think in new ways. I had to reimagine the course I was teaching was fixed. This is a course I was going to teach anyways. And I had to seriously think about what it meant Uh, what that course really meant beyond just what it says on the syllabus. Uh, And there's so many ways to present the material. And so I think adding juggling as an overarching theme for the course became just absolutely exciting for me. And and I'll let Mika tell you about what she did in our class.
2: Well, Mika, tell us what happened.
0: So the course um, that we are focused on uh, is a general education mathematics course. Uh, which means that it's a course, it's a mathematics course for non-STEM majors. So they're not going to science or mathematics. And it's usually the last shot we have as as instructors uh, to get them excited about mathematics. It's likely the last mathematics course they'll take. Um, So it was perfect, as Ashwin said, it was perfect for this uh, because we wanted to make connections where others wouldn't see connections, Um, and so when we heard that Sean Gandini and his performers were coming to town, uh, we we just took it as an opportunity um, to be creative ourselves, as Ashwin said, um, and to create modules for our students. So um, we were just, you know, we're looking through the paper earlier and seeing the students reactions. Uh, They're really surprised when on the syllabus, it said, okay, get this book and this juggling kit, juggling for klutzes, I think. Um, They're just shocked that we were asking them to buy juggling balls um, and that they were going to be learning how to juggle. But I think um, they soon realized, oh, wait, this is mathematics. What I'm doing is mathematical. Um, And it was just a great opportunity for them to wonder, you know, where is the mathematics in juggling? I never thought about it. Where is it? Um, So the first thing we had them do was generate a list of questions about juggling uh, that were mathematical or or that could be analyzed mathematically, right? So juggling three balls looks like this. What would it look like if I added one more ball? What would that look like? Um, And we were really lucky because it turns out that Sean Gandini had studied the mathematics of juggling. Um, So he sent us a bunch of videos um, over the summer, Ashwin and we're also working with a doctoral student, Kira Monahan, the three of us were learning how to juggle um, at the same time learning the mathematics of juggling, uh, which can get complicated very quickly. Um, So um, we had, uh, we assigned a final project for our students um, in both Ashwin's mechanics class and our doctoral student, Kira's um, general education mathematics course. And the challenge we posed to them was to somehow connect what they learned about mathematics and juggling and their own interests, whether it was an outside hobby or uh, their career goals and come up with some product that we can exhibit um, at Cancer Theater um, before the performances. So um, they, you know, they worked on this for a couple months uh, in groups or ind- independently, and they submitted projects, products, um, and we reviewed them, chose the finalists, and I think there were probably about 15, right, in Kessler Theater displayed mm-hmm. um, before every performance with the students as curators of the exhibit. Um, so they were interacting uh, with the audience members, explain their projects, many of them were interactive, we had video games, uh, kids were coming up and learning how to juggle and the students were explaining um, the patterns. Uh, we had music, we had paintings, we had poetry. Um, and it was just, it, it, as you said, you know, it was just a fantastic a festival of juggling. Yeah, it was a festival, really, yeah, um, it was. very lively. It was. it was great to see the community out there and to see our students, um, interacting with the community um and it was just it was a fantastic experience
2: well i in your paper um i mean it was an incredible experience it was very gratifying um to see so many people in the both audience members who were coming to see smashed which they'd never heard of but they were delighted by being introduced to students some of them one student i believe i've created a uh, a a juggle rap if i'm not mistaken um another one had created a um a, a video game using uh juggling as the structure another one had the history of juggling um there was quite a total array of activities i mean it was and they all enjoyed doing it i mean there was there was you know this was I mean, it was a major, you know, it was fun and it was serious at the same time. And, and your paper, there was so much in the paper that I enjoyed reading and particularly enjoyed reading the students who said, I had no idea what I was going to get involved in, but it turned out that I was really going to learn something. I thought I was taking a gut course and going to slide through. turns out that I actually had to do a lot of work, but my, but, the, but your quote, and I'm gonna read it back to you, which um, deeply impressed me, um, because it really does inform the work that we're doing with peak performances, both at the general public and the students, is that being able to connect seemingly disparate ideas is a hallmark of creativity. Well, it's a hallmark of the 21st century. Because really, the creativity of this century is multidisciplinary, it is interdisciplinary, it's co curricular. Um, and the project that you put together um, exemplifies that. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the connectivity or the, the seemingly disparate connections that? things have that actually form what you describe as creativity because I agree with you
0: um yeah so we completely agree um that um having students see connections or real even realize that there are connections between what they're learning in history class and mathematics class um and art class um that's you know that's where we want to be we want them to be thinking not just about mathematics and mathematics class and you know physics and physics class um but we want them to forge those connections um and to not just connect the disciplines to each other but to connect what they're learning uh to what they're doing outside of the classrooms um so you know we Ashra and i talk about this all the time uh and you know even within a program a mathematics program um you, you learn geometry and you learn algebra, you learn these courses as if they're separate from each other. Uh, but really, we want students to learn with a kind of a holistic perspective um, to to see all this, you know, you're learning different ways of reasoning, different um, processes or different concepts. Um, and uh, it's a lot to ask, but we are asking students to make these connections. Uh, so wherever you know, in, in, in this case where we took mathematics and juggling, science and juggling, um, and kind of forced that connection, we're hoping that, you know, something will be sustained in their minds where they think, oh, I, if I can connect math and juggling, you know, what other connections are there? And if they can take that mindset into different learning environments, um, as well as into their everyday lives, um, I think that that's a you know that's always a goal that we kind of strive for in in these kinds of projects and also in our teaching.
1: Also, I think another way to think about connections is to they're trying to connect with themselves. Right? Education is about trying and connecting whatever you're learning to yourself to figure out why this is meaningful to me and what new ideas do I bring to the subject. Um, and that's why the classroom is not a you know a place to simply listen, right? Uh, it's a place to engage um, the students leave behind. The course develops only at the end of, end of the semester, right? The course is nothing at the beginning. And I think many of us realize this sage on stage uh, mentality of somebody lecturing to you is, is, I mean, I don't even know if it was ever a thing of the, you know, ever worked in the past, right? Uh, there are beautiful storytellers. Uh, there are professors who talk and students who listen, and you, you hear a wonderful story. But the minute you start acting on that, whatever you've learned, you realize you don't really know the s- subject. You have been entertained, and it's, it's short-lived, that entertainment. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to participate in that process. Uh, you have to make the professor better uh, by, by bringing yourself to the course. And so that kind of engagement is what we were looking for, right?
2: Well, well, but Ashwin Mika, what you're talking about is the very thing that we try to do at the Kassar Theater. Um, the contemporary artists of our time are not telling stories. The contemporary audiences of our time are discovering stories within themselves. Um, and there's a, there's a huge disconnect. And... Um, my sort of secret or the Trojan horse aspect of the work that you're doing is that I want the kind of insights that you're bringing to students to transfer to the theater. That they're coming to the theater not to be told a story, but to discover a story within themselves. And there there may be 450 people experiencing the work of Robert Wilson um and each one of them has a different story to tell about the experience that they had and each one of those stories is as valid as the other um and it's you know it's 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 an astonishing agenda but I mean I think it's how the theater dance music of a circus of our time will move forward it's it's on that level and and I think what you're doing with of uh, the education of students at Markle State University exemplifies that. I want to ask you about.
1: Go ahead. Sorry, Alex. to make one more comment about that. We, we wrote another paper um, on this very point of making connections. And uh, it's sort of, there's a metaphorically, you can talk about creativity from the point of view um, of, of, of toys and games. And this is something we've tried to incorporate in, in, in all our courses in creativity, uh, learning through play. Uh, it's a way of distracting oneself, but also becoming mindful. Uh, so, um, you know, it's playing with contradictions often. Uh, but the whole idea of connections you can imagine through through this, uh, you know, the metaphor of Lego sets, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I always think of Lego sets. If you're simply given um, uh, cubicle blocks to make things, well, you're just going to make larger and larger cubes. That's all you get. But the more diverse set of toys and Lego pieces you have, right? The more beautiful your final product will be. And so structures that emerge out of this, these are emergent structures that come out of your, your play, right? Require the right toolkit, right? So all we're doing is for trying to provide the right toolkit, right? Um, we're not telling you what to make, but we have to make sure that the playground provides you room to create Amazingly, new things. Whatever comes out will be a product of their imagination, the student's imagination, their past experiences. But the constraint that we're give, we have as instructors is that we're supposed to teach them something or guide them in a particular direction. We want to guide them in the,
2: in the most open-minded way possible. Well, for me, I mean, what you're talking about is some, uh, something that i've experienced also throughout my career is ultimately that the word play is not taken seriously and and that when one says i'm playing one is accused of not working and it's absolutely not the case and um although i'm neither i'm not an, i am not um an academic and i'm i'm not a child psychologist and i'm i'm, I'm, I'm just adore uh, the experience of being in a theater with uh, things that I don't know and find out what I can. But I also know that we have an educational system that starts at a very young age in which um, boys and girls play And and playing is their language. I mean, it is their vocabulary. And at a certain point, they're asked to not to play. That the skills that they developed and honed from probably up through third, fourth, or fifth grade, I'm as I say, I'm this is not my area, but I'm aware of it. By a certain point, that playfulness, which is um, a, an aspect of not being judged, is in fact judged and that skill is taken away from them. At which point then rote experience kicks in and you're judged based on a very linear way of moving forward. Um, And to me, the performing arts has the capacity or should have the capacity for reawakening playfulness, which is, the source of creativity, in my judgment, within everybody. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: And we would say that mathematicians and scientists, they play, right? So if we just, um, if we exchange the word play for explore, right, it becomes a little more academic. They're exploring, they're discovering things. Um, But really, there's really no difference between playing as a child and playing as a mathematician. Uh, you're playing with ideas, you're seeing how ideas fit together, you're developing new new concepts, new theories. Um, And, you know, we we take the word play very seriously. Um, We we think that there's a lot of mathematics in play, um, but also a lot of play in mathematics. And I think that's really, you know, one of the main points that we try to convey in our courses is that it is about your interaction with mathematics that we care about. Right. We don't really care about the answer. The answer can be found in the back of the book. Um, but we, we want you to engage and have a personalized experience with mathematics. We want you to engage in your own way. Um, and that's, what's in, that's what we value. We, we want to know how you're reasoning, how you're playing, what are you thinking, what you're connecting, how you're connecting things. So it's, it really is about you know, the process and playing.
1: Yeah. And play is being in the moment. Right. When yes. you're playing, you're not thinking of the end outcome of the game, you're thinking of what you're doing at that moment. And I think that you can be serious. You don't have to be solemn. You can be serious. Um, and I think they're making, uh, you know, and that, that, was, the, that was the point of, of, of bringing juggling in. Because juggling is very much in the moment. Right? It's a very meditative experience. Um, it's a fun thing to do. It's, it's surprising. Um, you can, and it takes a long while to master it, so you can stay engaged with it, right? and you get addicted to it very soon. <laughs> um, but at every stage of this process, you know, the learning of juggling mimics how you learn a particular mathematical skill. Um, so there are parallels, but they're also connected because for many, the, the act of juggling can be connected to science, right? There the are rhythms and patterns, and there are mathematical rhythms and patterns, and you can map one to the other. Uh, You can study this, you can talk about speed and motion or synchronization of the the hand. These are necessary skills for a good juggler, but you can immediately translate them into the language of mathematics and physics. And it's very easy and simple to do. And when you talk about physics and mathematics from that point of view, students are no longer engaging with formulas or not thinking about tests or homework Mm -hmm. assignments. They're engaging with the act of play. Uh, and they're continuing to explore, right? And so they're living in the moment then. And I think that it doesn't always work. It doesn't work with in every course, it doesn't work with every topic within a course, but every time you get a chance like this, we have to make sure we take advantage of it.
2: Well, you took great advantage of it. What, thinking back, if you can, um, without too much effort, what was, were there, do you have favorite moments in this juggling experiment, um, whether was there a aha moment that you would like to share, something unexpected that happened?
0: I think one of my, go ahead.
2: Go ahead.
0: Well, I was gonna um, say that, you know, just recalling the moment the student realizes they start trusting you, right? they realize, okay, this is not a joke. <laughs> we are going to learn how to juggle and it is mathematical and I'm gonna get something out of it. And those moments occur at different times um, for, for the students. Um, but, but for me, that's um, when they start to buy into it, I think that's the moment that, you know, that stands out to me.
1: Yeah, in my class, I, I used it in, in, in my mechanics course in physics and, and of course, students, it was exciting to see how students engaged with the subject, what new things they learned, and what they taught us. Uh, one project in particular was, was just blew my mind. Uh, it's in the paper as well. Uh, a student, a computer science student, developed a virtual reality game. Yes. In so a live camera, and people were juggling, and, uh, and a lot, you know, there was a group of students, but um, spearheaded by one, but they managed to track the motion of the ball. Um, and we actually did something very interesting. Uh, we got a, a, an experienced juggler to come and juggle uh, and the camera tracked the motion of the ball and it computed certain quantities we had discussed in our course. And, and so we came up with a, like a profile, a juggling profile for the, for the perfect juggler, for the experienced juggler. And then when students juggled, you could see where the deviation was. And you could immediately study, you could examine the profiles, the calculations, mm. and you could see where the student was going off. So what is the difference between an amateur juggler and a professional juggler, right? Uh, and I, I remember some juggling coach was also attending the, had come for the performance and they came and looked at, uh, looked at this virtual reality um, setup. And he said, can you patent this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. That was impressive. I mean, one of the things that Sean brings, um, which impressed has impressed me since I met him, um, is his sense of adventure. I mean, um, that ultimately everything is at risk, um, but he trusts himself deeply to make it to move himself through that process. Um, I mean, we're about to do a new project with with Sean, um which was one that he brought to us but it sort of illustrates the daringness of the of the man. I mean he has decided that the great American choreographer Merce Cunningham um, should be a juggler and he's taken Merce's work and he's been given permission and he's creating a work inspired by Merce Cunningham. Um, But my point really is is that what you're talking about is giving students the confidence to experiment, um, to be, to go into what is described as high risk um, for the sake of self-discovery. Pretty amazing stuff that you guys are working on. Um, I have a question. Um, I keep hearing the word STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I mean, shouldn't it be STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics?
0: I think it should be. Um, and many people use STEAM uh, to include the the arts. Um, but maybe it should just be called learning or something. <laughs> uh, maybe we don't need to be discipline specific or to try to cram all the disciplines in there. But yes, people do say STEAM. And definitely, we're working under that model uh, by considering um, arts. As well, um, but you know you can add social sciences in there. You can add history, literature. Um, so um, really, the, I think that there's no bounds uh, to the connections that can be made.
1: Yeah, to some extent, I think we do disservice. Uh, the, the The academy, higher education, does disservice to learning by um, by taking disciplinary divides so seriously. Mm. Right? Uh, I often think, I mean, is it, is it really worth majoring in a very specific discipline, um, which is limited to particular skill sets, right? You're learning certain skill sets, but what the world requires of you is adaptability, mm-hmm. uh, which means you need diverse ways of thinking. So what are we teaching them in teaching them just, you know, putting blinders on them? Um, and as much as I mean, I I love what I do, and I'm grateful for my own disciplinary experiences. Uh, as I mature, I realize that I wish I knew more of this. I wish I knew more of this. I mean, I would be better at what I do if I knew something else that wasn't necessarily part of my thought of as being part of my discipline. And then you have you know uh, an inside and an outside. You have the other. Right? You have the arts and the sciences. You have uh, creative and non-creative disciplines. Mm. Uh, and so this whole project came about because uh, Mika and I did a survey many years ago that you know well about. And we asked students what they thought, uh, what disciplines they thought were creative. And they, they listed, we, I think we surveyed about 250 students or so. And most of them listed theater and music, the traditional artistic disciplines as being creative. And the sciences were low on the list. And we felt we had to do something about that because that's not how we saw our own practices. We think what we're doing is immensely creative. Right? Um, so I think there is something to be said for uh, for not relying too much on on names and certainly acronyms like STEM and STEAM. Um,
2: well, uh, I would think right now, um, in the as we are uh, the experience that we've been having since March, if anybody needs any evidence that there's no rules and that we need to. Sh- <laughs> to come up with new practices and new ways and, and that and the adaptability is not a life force. Then people, they have to re-examine their own awareness because the survivability of, of individuals and groups in the past eight months and going forward is a function of massive adaptability. Right.
0: Yeah. Many of the characteristics of creativity know, adaptability, perseverance, taking risks, making connections. I think um, all those principles apply even more now um, during this time that we're living through. Um, And, you know, we were talking earlier about being mindful Um, in a way, having something like juggling, um, having a challenge, challenging challenging yourself in a pretty low risk situation, right? Learning how to juggle. Mm -hmm it does force you to focus and perhaps to not think about other things Um, when you you know trust us when you're learning how to juggle there's nothing else you can think about (laughs) rather than trying to catch that ball and throw the next one up Um, so it may be especially fitting in this era uh, to add um, uh, a physical artistic element uh, to learning um, especially to learning something like mathematics which is traditionally thought of as not being creative not being artistic and not being physical
2: well what have what are you two of you working on that's new what's the what's the next phase of your collaboration what's going on
0: so next semester i'll be teaching a course for practicing teachers um and i'm considering bringing juggling into that course it's a course on problem solving uh for high school teachers and I think I will use juggling as a backdrop um, because um, you know, I, I think juggling can serve as a metaphor uh, for, for, for our current uh, situation. Uh, teachers are juggling a lot, um, but also because I do wanna kind of humanize mathematics for the, for the students who are really teachers uh, and challenge them uh, to think about how they can encourage their own students to make connections, um, to be on the lookout for mathematics in places you might not have noticed before, um, so I'd like to bring this into um, master's level courses um, as a way, as an example of how we, as educators, can be on the lookout for opportunities uh, to have our students engage with math and science in a different way.
2: Mm, fantastic! Did you, uh, did you, did you see spring? By the way, I did. Okay. In spring is a, a man, uh, an American, uh, even Sean is obviously British, but uh, Wes Pedden, P-E-D-E-N, is probably the world's greatest juggler. He lives in, uh, well, actually, I don't know where he currently, but he's from Ohio. Um, and if I can be of any help to you in your course with Wes, let me know. Because I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a huge fan of West Ashwin. I don't want to, I I don't want to you out of this. What are you up to?
1: I am up. <laughs> well, me and I talk about different different projects. I, and we're waiting for for lightning to strike for the for the next big thing. But I think, uh, like uh, like she has, I think uh, juggling has given us a lot to think about. So. Uh, I haven't done too much with it recently uh, because I haven't taught some of those courses before. But I think coming up next semester, I might might try it in one of my modeling classes.
2: <laughs> you have an ally, don't even though I'm I'm not on campus much. To who is anymore? But um, I fully expect that we'll have some audiences back in the fall. That's my that's my goal. And PhD, actually, we are um, capturing. Performances on stage at the CASER um, as we speak. Um, um, without audiences, obviously, um, but uh, we, have about, we have five projects that we've lined up. One of them we've actually completed, and we have uh, more in the coming semester. Um, so PHD, which is uh, what's well how one will experience spring on December 13th and uh, actually 24 um, seven streaming worldwide, if you can believe it, um, live from the Cassery Theater um, is, a, is a big, big component of our outreach and how we're expanding audiences for contemporary performance. Um, and uh, the two of you are very, very much a part of our mission. And I'm personally grateful for your exuberance and your wit and your commitment. So, thank you.
0: Well, we're also grateful um, for our collaborations. You know, thinking back, it's, it's, every time we work together, it's just so memorable and so nice to see students engage um, with with castor Theatre while thinking about mathematics. So we're (laughs) very grateful for this collaboration and for your enthusiasm for our projects.
1: Absolutely. You've made us grow in in ways you can't imagine.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm grateful. Thank you very much. There you have it. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to watch spring.